0: Welcome to this very special episode of Actors 2020 Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Keith, and today we're going to be talking to women in the industry over 50 years old. We have two very special guests today. The first one, she might fly like a butterfly or sting like a bee. Her name is Loretta Ali. And even though this is not her quote, these are things that she wants you to remember. Dance as though no one's watching love as though you have never been hurt before sing as though no one can hear you and live as though heaven is on earth now let's give Miss Ali Loretta a call and see what she has to offer you and here we go hello hello Loretta it's Johnny Keith from Actors 2020 podcast how are you
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm awesome. Good so the acting business what made you even want to get in the acting business in the first place
1: well to be honest with you uh i spent time as a foster child when i was young and one of my foster mothers used to watch the all these soap operas as the world turns <laughs> and all this stuff you nice. know and, I, and I, was, I think i was about four then so i was home with her for a bit and i from the time i saw the acting i was really interested in it but it, then when i moved in later on at, at eight years old with my mom she was to watch all these old movies with Betty Davis and George, uh, Joan Crawford oh, okay. and all, and I used to just dream that that's something I could do in fact uh, I was a latchkey kid while she worked you know uh, my brother and I had to stay home by ourselves so when my brother was outside playing I used to take two spoons and put them in the door you know how you just lock the door So when somebody needs the Uh key to get in, they couldn't get in. And then I would get this hairbrush, like a microphone, and put the music on and pretend that I was a singer, you know, because I really didn't realize I really was an actor. I just wanted to act a song. And then when somebody came home, I snatched the spoons out the door so they could turn the key, you know, and hid the spoons in my pocket. But those were all little dreams I had as a child that I knew that there was something different about me that wanted that you know?
0: So what was your first taste of it? What What was your first thing? Extra work, theater, or what?
1: Well, actually, my first uh, opportunity was with Norman Charles, and he had what was called the Theater of Renewal in Manhattan, and that was in the 70s, and he taught me improv acting, and he was really a joy. This was a, a man who I had no idea until later on how really fantastic he was because he taught me improv acting, and what happened was that there was a young man, I was playing the role of a prostitute, and he hit me on my rear end in the improv. (laughs) And I acted up really bad. So Mr. Charles said, you can just have a seat out there on the chairs and watch us perform because you don't come out of character because somebody does that to you. Use that. I said, no, he can't touch me. He said, no, you're wrong. He can do whatever he wants to do. You're wrong. What you should have done was use that and turn that around. Even if you wanted to say that in the scene, you can't touch me. He said, but you can't just, just... started going off and acting up one of the fight in the scene because you took it personally and I knew it wasn't acting, it was personal. So I okay. learned so much from Mr. Charles uh, in terms of what to do on stage and how when situations come up to turn it into uh, something that works and also that you don't need a script a lot of times you can use your imagination
0: how old were you back then
1: i was in my 20s probably about 24 25 but what his teaching led me to start my own production company in uh, new jersey and i started what was called the regal roots theater for the performing arts and i started teaching improv acting to other actors even though i was young
0: oh wow so you were starting to give back right away
1: Uh, exactly i from right from the beginning because what was happening was i was a new york actor auditioning in new york and i was what spike lee always said actors go through so much because you know you're the wrong size the wrong age the wrong a lot of times the wrong anything to get cast and i fit that whole category because i was not the ingenue (laughs) i was full figure I was very, very light complexion, so it was hard to match me with other people, of uh, other African-Americans. So I was always too short, too fat, too everything. So I had to really create my own work. Rather than come home all the time crying because I didn't land the audition and feeling bad about myself, I just created, started my own theater and where I could work.
0: It seems like this is the only business where they can say, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too white, you're too black, you're too this, you're too that.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> and they can get away with it. And
1: that's exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also think that you don't have it, you know. I was when I finally decided to get some training. Um, there was I was a poet in the late '70s in New York, and somebody came to see me do a poetry performance, and he said, "Have you ever thought about acting?" And I said, "No." He said, "You need to think about it." And I said, "Well, I don't really want to be involved in that because I was a political poet walking around with my hair in braids and 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 wild and political and just crazy. So I didn't want to think about acting. But then I moved to Washington, D.C., and someone invested in my first year as a, going to acting school, and it was a really trying time for me because I was so different. I was older than a lot of the students that was there. I was picked on a lot of times, and I was angry because I said, I-, I think I'm just going to end up in jail rather than on stage. <laughs> <laughs> because How funny. I was like, I'm not going to be called too many fat, not supposed to have the role type people much longer without really losing my temper. But it taught me. You know, I had a, a instructor who said to me, because I, I stopped going to school. I was upset, so I just took off. I didn't come back, and she called me up. She said, why are you not at class? I said, because they pick on me, but she said, wait, 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 You didn't give yourself that talent. That talent was given to you by a higher, but you don't even have the right mm. to decide that you're not gonna use it. Get your butt back to class. <laughs> and I was like, who are these people calling me? Everybody was calling me, up. get back in. Why are you feeling sorry for yourself? But that was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me, because I never looked back. Wow. Even if I heard no, I just kept on going. Just kept on going.
0: Wow, is that where you did the roles there in the Ford Theater in the Kennedy Center there in Washington? The marriage proposal and oh
1: yeah, I had a wonderful teacher at the theater school when I started going for acting, and she. When I was with her for my first year that I was there, I was so uh, nurtured because she was a nurturer. And I remember the first doing, she said, everybody get up and do a monologue. I said, I don't have a monologue. I have a poem. And I did the poem and the whole student body stood up and cheered. And she said, oh, you think you really somebody? Because I had on these green pants and a purple top. And she said, look at her. She looks like a, a lilac and she even has a <laughs> green stem. And I didn't like her. I said, I can't stand her. But what she taught me was, I had to bring you down a peg or two because yep. there would be nowhere for you to go if you thought you were all of that. Yeah. Because uh, my first semester went I said, how come I didn't get an A? How come I got a B plus? And she said, well, if you get an A, you don't have nothing to strive for. And I said, this woman, Ellie Chamberlain, I don't think I'm going to like her. But, you know, I just grew to adore her because she just really, she believed in me so much. I, that carried me... Uh, you know, see, I've met people, I've had in, uh, directors and instructors that really took the time to nurture me and tell me that it doesn't matter what you look like, who you are, because she was one of the people that said, I feel like I just got cast. we only at 15 minutes on stage. She said, there are no small roles, only small actors who don't want to play them."
0: I know what you're talking about, though, because I used to go to the Beverly Hills Playhouse, and I finally got up at, to work with the best actor, and I don't know what happened. He It was either his off day he made me look good or maybe I was just good and I was just waiting for my praise and the exact same thing happened to me instead of him praising me and telling me he just went right into the things that were missing and I kind of got offended like wow that's the best I ever did where's my praise and they record the conversations and I went back (laughs) and I went back and listened to it later and I was I was out of line I should have just shut my mouth and listened to him because they're trying to take you to the next level exactly so it seems like you got a lot of theater experience. Can you tell me about the uh, Times Square transfer where you played the dancer?
1: Oh, that was really wonderful because what happened was that I got cast. I, my late husband was a, a percussionist and a musician, and we performed together as poetry and skins for for all of our twenty three year marriage until he died of uh, cancer, no, stage for liver and gallbladder cancer. So we performed together, and that was another thing. You know, we he believed in my talent. He said, "If you can't work, we're gonna create." work nice I went to audition and the woman who auditioned me took a liking to him because he was very tall okay and she said I'll cast both of you if you will be in it <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking oh my god this is a guy that can't stand acting he, every time I go for an audition he's there he always get picked for something that's funny so I couldn't dance but he being a musician he could really dance I mean, uh, especially Latin music. Even though he was African-American, he played kunga, which is the Afro-Cuban drum. So he knew all the Latin dancers and everything. They they just loved him. They kind of tolerated me. <laughs> so, But we were good together in that movie. And that was the number of the roles that I would get. You know, I got a role one time uh, in what's called, the movie called Satan Clause. Okay. And I'll tell you that was through Talent Connection who were my agents at the time in in, uh, New Jersey. And what I learned about being, taking roles as a, a as an actor is not to choose work that I'm going to be sorry that I'm in later. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I so do. sometimes you have to say no cuz you know my whole goal was how am I get my fad card? How am I get when am I going to get picked, you know? And you know I just drove myself crazy with that. When am I going to be union? You know, I just it just really I, I made myself miserable for years trying to force that.
0: And now it's almost a disadvantage getting the SAG because so many things is non-union. One out of ten commercials is SAG. The other nine are non-union.
1: Exactly. I don't, my work, my work, when I moved from New York to New Jersey, I mean, from New York to Georgia, right? My career really took off. Uh huh. I mean, I did more print modeling, uh, I had acting jobs. I bought my, my first car right off the lot wow. from an acting job in Georgia. Wow. And just walked in the lot and just got my Honda right off because I saved every dime. That's awesome. As soon as I got cast, and they were like, we're going to pay you X amount of hundreds for rehearsals, X amount of 100 for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then they asked me this, uh, the, the, uh, the writer and the playwright and the director, will that satisfy you? And I said, oh, yeah. But when I got outside, I like, oh, my
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trying to play it cool.
2: I
1: said, oh, my God. <laughs> All I saw was my car. I said, I'm oh, getting me a car. I just, I just knew it. So I always take, um, you know, I always think about where I came from as a foster child, how I grew up the things I went through in foster care and it hurts sometimes but you know you you realize you wouldn't have ever gotten through that had you not gotten to where you are had you not went through who you were
2: that's true you know
1: I can't be angry with uh I mean I can feel bad but at some point I had to let it go about my parents how I got there because mm-hmm. all I realized was surviving now Through foster care, my brother, he didn't make it because what happened to us in foster care stayed with him and it ate at his heart. So he died of a heart attack at 37.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Me, I raised, you know, I was just like a... I, I, I mean, I just survived. I was like waiting for the next shoe to drop, looking over my shoulder, waiting for someone. So I had a chip on my shoulder for years until I wrote my book, Survival of the Fittest One Child's Life in the Foster Care System. Mm-hmm. And once I wrote that book and my late husband and I saved the money to have it printed and I went around doing book signings in New Jersey and talking to people, it was like such a relief to get it out.
0: Yeah, it's like therapy. Because
1: other than that, I just carried it, you yeah. know? But my mom was, uh, when I said I wanted to be an actor, she said, as much as you run your mouth, be a lawyer, at least you'll get paid for it. <laughs> and I was really hurt because, she, she just would not support me until I produced my own first play. Like I told you, I had my first theatrical company when I was in my 20s. And she sat in the audience and I played the role of a man. Wow. And when I did it and came down the aisle by her and acted directly to her, she laughed until she cried. <laughs> but that was the turning point nice. for her because other than that, she wasn't supportive. But I'll tell you something that happened to me in Georgia. Oh yeah, I had a great career. But you know, Georgia changed a lot because now this is the film Empire uh, like of the United States so a lot of actors are caught up and I don't you know I don't even care if they hear me say that because they already know how I am as a, <laughs> somebody who has my own production company I realize that we're not bringing talent like we did in California like we did in New York like we did in Washington we're bringing ego. And that's a real rough way to, to, you know, I've told, said to actors, you know, if you're not uh, Russell Crowe and you're not Denzel Washington, don't come to me with this nonsense Uh about I'm in the union. Bring (laughs) something to the table that we can be proud of and learn about teamwork and ensemble acting and caring about your fellow actor. Because I think I was at the Rialto, and that's a huge Uh, theater in Atlanta. And I was waiting backstage to take my little bit part that somebody was kind enough to give me. And I was sitting there waiting. And I said, this is the very last time I'm going through this nonsense. And I just started my own production company in Atlanta. And I went on to write plays and and work that. And it gave me a way to um, be able to perform And not have to do work that I wasn't proud of. Because there's nothing worse than going to a movie premiere, sitting in the audience, eating your popcorn. And there are scenes that come up on the screen that you weren't there when they shot them. And your husband is sitting next to you, rolling his eyes because we have friends in the back that are going, what kind of (laughs) movie was And I'm like... Oh, my God, I wasn't, you know, so then when you want to start choosing work, and which everybody has a choice, because I'm not, whatever anybody chooses is fine, but you want to, I decide I want to choose work that means something. So I remarried in 2014, somebody who was my closest friend, and he and I started a nonprofit called On The Spot Edutainment Corporation. So that's a spinoff from our parent company, which was mine. And what we do is we use uh, uncomfortable topics like like uh, bullying, uh, uh, domestic violence, to bring, and we use theater, music, uh, spoken words. So, but then he get, he's also a congaero and a percussionist, so he's able to play his music, and I'm able to act. But we do something for the community. So now I'm not worrying about at 67 whether I'm gonna make the union. <laughs> now we still both audition because he gets a lot of print modeling jobs and then I also still get cast and acting jobs in in Georgia but I'm not hungry like that right you know I'm not starved for it I've learned that and it took me so many years to do it that I don't have to make myself miserable just to be on stage I don't have to prove to anyone the talent that I didn't even give myself Mm -hmm. I don't have to prove that so my, my prayer is that people who come from a struggling background like me, I'm an old project kid. My mother raised me in the project, got us from foster care, and put us in one of the first projects that was ever built in Patterson, New Jersey, a place that I pray I never have to see in my <laughs> life. <laughs> God bless whoever's there, but I pray I happen to never have to go back there. But, you know, you come from that, and you just keep going, and you say, listen, When I look at myself now, I could have... My brother passed away from what we went through. I could be with him, but no... I, I, I said there's something more, and, and I've just always been a fighter. So whoever, uh, uh, an actor or, or an actress, or, uh, you know, uh, anybody, anybody with talent, just don't give up. The first person to believe in is yourself. You can't worry about whether somebody else believes, because if you believe in you, so many of the dreams will come true, turn into gold, and before you know it. But, you know, shooting to be the next Broadway star I you know I, I I feel sorry for anyone who doesn't have a plan B, where their talent is concerned right. if you don't have a plan B, you know
0: i uh, I love the name of your production company, Lali. Is that how you say it?
1: Lolly Productions. I took it from my name, Loretta Ali, uh-huh. Lolly Productions. It was, a. It, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I hired uh, actors and they would say to me, uh, why are you not in the union? And I said, because they didn't give me permission. I didn't need their permission to produce this play or to pay you. <laughs> I didn't get anyone, you know, so because they wanted to challenge me and saying, well, if you were worth your salt you would be in. Your, I said, no, see, I'm worth this because I raised the money to hire you. So if you don't want to be in this production for that, that door swings both ways. And i learned that you, you know, because a lot of times I ha- when I cast people, here's their famous line for me. Can you introduce me to Tyler Perry? I said, I <laughs> could if I was looking for him, but I'm not. And, and, and truly he's not looking for me and I don't have no problem with that but you know either you want to see if you're looking for it to be in something so somebody can take you to meet a star that is an incredible thing I mean it, what are you saying about your own creativity mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying you have your as a creative person is that all you have to give as an actor that you are waiting to meet the next person that can take you to stardom rather than what you can give to your audience. Wow.
0: Hey, can you talk a little bit about bullying, A Shameful Dilemma, the documentary that you produced? Oh,
1: yeah. You know, that movie, I wanted to, I wrote a play on Billie Holiday that I really wanted to get produced that I wrote in 1984. And this young man who played my son on a mo- in a play that I produced in 2010 said, uh, Miss Ali, can we do a—he's 15 years old now, 14 when he started the project, or maybe even a few a few months younger than that. But anyway, we, in 2010, he asked me if we could do a documentary on bullying rather than my play, my next play. And I said, but why? He said, because we're having a huge problem. Now, that was back then, wow. in 2010. Okay, what he did was, his. He, I said, I don't have any money for that. He said, my parents will finance it. Okay, so his parents, his mother took all the pictures. His father shot the video, and I interviewed people all over Georgia, those who bullied and yeah. those who had been bullied. That was
0: my next question. And yeah. then
1: Quint <laughs> took that footage that young man edited on windows media spent his whole summer finished it by the time he was 15 and then we started showcasing it at different schools because the dilemma of bullying i mean when we did that Nobody wanted to listen to us. But at that time, people were using kids were uh, shooting them, you know, taking overdoses. And it was a lot. But like it is now in 2019, 2018 alone, the deaths have uh, of of the ages have dropped to 10 through 14. And their choice of death is by hanging.
2: Wow.
0: That's true. They're
1: hanging. And they and and. People are just turning their, I said, you know, we're getting, we're, we're working hard as we can to raise money for cameras so we can shoot part two, Bullying a Shameful Dilemma Revisited, so that we can show how bullying the disease, because that's what it is, a social disease, how it has increased death since the first time we shot that that movie and, and, and was showcasing it in 2012. Now here we are seven years later.
0: They got social media to come at you now, too.
1: And, and using text messages. I got left back in the fourth grade because I was tired of fighting every day. About I was short, wore glasses, didn't have the right clothes, too fat. Every day it was something and me and my brother were fighting back to back just to go. I said, you know what? I'm not even going. So we didn't even go for the rest of the year. And his teacher promoted men, but me, I got left back and my mother was livid, (laughs) but we were, but I couldn't stand. I think I was more sensitive to that. Uh, Maybe I don't know why. Oh, well, I do know that the coloring is what really being called names about my skin color that I just, I find that. Even as an adult now, I I just find that as as crushing. The things that the kids are hurting each other, who's gay and who's not. How do you know? What you worrying about somebody's gay for? Is that really your business? It's
0: like enough already. Who cares? Is that really
1: really your business? (laughs) If that child is going through that, what that child is, because that's the community we really want to interview in our new movie. Because no child. Should have to die because somebody thinks he or she is whatever they. That is none of your golden school. Leave people alone.
0: It's tough when you're young, especially you may be a girl with long, beautiful hair, but you may identify as a guy. You know how do you make that transition? That's right. And I. And I didn't know much about that. And I actually have a family member that used to, you know, I used to have a niece and, you know, now I have a nephew. So I, I definitely get it. And you have, what are you going to say when it's someone you love? You know, you see it on TV and you have an opinion, but then when it happens to you, you, you get real, really quick.
1: Exactly.
0: So you've done a lot of theater, you've done TV, film, you've written books, you produced. Uh, so one thing before I ask you the next question, it says you can do a Caribbean dialect. Can I hear a little bit of that?
1: but I don't understand why I never saw him again. Oh, I know it was because uh, he told me the nice this and the nice that, but uh, it's okay. Uh, He goes his way and me, me, I go mine.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So what's next for you? What's your future looking like in the next two to three years?
1: I'm praying that My nonprofit on-the-spot, Edutainment Corporation, will have grown so that as the executive director, I'm no longer working almost 60 hours a week for free, Mm -hmm. and that we've become pretty much grant-worthy that I will have a salary. My dream is not that I become a famous actress on stage. That's not it. I dream that my company, either the parent company, Lolly Productions, or on-the-spot, takes off to where... I will be able to perform whenever I want. I don't have to be wealthy. I don't have to be rich, but just be able to be on stage whenever I want to. Because so I'm just praying that the projects that we're working on, our company, and how, and really what I'm real praying for is that we have great cameras, <laughs> but both of us know how to use it, but not the money to pay for them. Right. But, we, but we know that eventually we, we have faith. It's going to come together. That's true. And we're going to get financed. And we're going to make the documentaries that we want to make.
0: Great. So if somebody wanted to donate or somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best place for them to go?
1: They could go to onthespotedutainment.com. That's all they have to put on there. But don't forget to say not entertainment. It's onthespotedutainment, tcom Thank
0: you so much for being my very special guest today, Loretta. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and thank you for caring, and maybe you'll be blessed with much success, because what you're doing for people, you have to be quite a remarkable man. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you for that. I really appreciate talking to you today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, dear. Thank you so much, Loretta Eylee. You were amazing. So we have a little extra time here, and I wanted to answer some of your emails. A lot of you people wrote in and says, what is Another Day in L.A.? Well, Another Day in L.A. was a short documentary that I produced back in the turn of the century in 1999. Another Day in L.A. is behind-the-scenes look at what an actor goes through before they get their big break. We entered it in a few film festivals, and we won and placed in the top 10 of one of the first online film festivals. It was called the Indie Kino International Film Festival, iiffy two. And we placed in the top 10 and they sent us an award and instead of a trophy, it was a Korean mask. I just love it. It hangs on my wall and that's what this podcast is based on. And after another day in LA, I did a radio show for two years called Johnny Keats Actors. Radio. We were live in Hollywood every Sunday night with movie news, industry reviews, box office totals, and more with my wife, Princess Denise, and my friend, Big Time Phil. It was a live studio. It was perfect. We really enjoyed doing it for two years. We had a beautiful studio. It was live, and it was a lot of fun, and I still have every episode on tape. We did about 100 episodes. That's why 20 years later, when the podcasting came out, we decided to continue with Another Day in LA. Continue with Actors Radio. But we call it Actors 2020 Podcast. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So you know what time it is. It's time for the lesson. Be sure and listen to the words. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Actors 2020 Podcast. I'm Johnny Keith, your host, where we promote one actor at a time. If you're an actor and you would love to be promoted, just contact us at actors2020podcast at gmail.com. Now we're going to end this episode like we end every episode with something called The Lesson. Because life is a bitch. Gee, Really? Why don't you tell me something I don't
3: already know? Cause everywhere I go, people tell me what to do. Hey, go to church, go to school, you treat me like a fool. Now, I don't need religion, culture, or class. You don't like that fact? Well, you can kiss my ass. Yeah, I'm white and I rap. You got a problem with that? Loosen up and don't be so uptight. Take it easy, E. We got. The whole night, yes, I'm psyched. I'm ready to get the show on the road. I don't want to stop, cuz I just might explode. I tell you what, home slice, I'm twice as nice Than any bad boy rapper called Vanilla Ice. My lesson, yeah, is yep. In case you didn't know what I'm here to inform you, I'm better than snow. I don't move, walk, or jump like these Michael DeJay's, but I can hold my own. You hear what I say now? Listen, learn, cuz here comes the lesson. Lesson one. Everybody sit down, JK is gonna take you for a ride uptown. Oh, Yo, this is the story of the Hollywood game Choose your path, careful you're the only one to blame Now when it comes to pot, crack, tweak or blow Stick to the rules and just say no Because you're young, you're eager, you want in the movies Don't think you'll get there by giving up the booty Cause I'll use you, abuse you, throw you out like trash And then you'll discover that you're out of cash Now your heart, your soul is somewhere on the shelf And you're walking through the streets now Talking to yourself, the lesson well, you heard lesson one, it's time for lesson two. You have a choice and the choice is up to you. I came to Hollywood to be a rich and famous star, but for now I'm waiting tables and I'm tending someone's bar. Pictures, classes, agents, where the hell does it all mean? Every time I turn around... I'm starting over again, I finally got a break with a five line and under, my life was starting to roar like lightning and thunder, the phone rings, hello, I'm casting a pilot, my life spun out of control just like an LA riot, I walked off the set, said to hell with this all, man, the phone's not even ringing and my life is in the can, the lesson. Yeah, final lesson here, of course it's number three. Now remember, I'm an actor to be or not to be. When the going got tough, I climbed into the bottle. I'm back on my feet. Now revving my throttle on the climb to the top. It's the same old games. Now I'm kicking ass and I'm taking some names. Falling, and scraping, and screaming, and that was a long, hard crawl But it was all worth it, I'm a box off the draw Opportunity was there when I took it with a punch Not now, baby, but let's do lunch There's a big piece of pie and you should grab your portion You can be like me, enjoying fame and fortune Boom! That's the lesson Go and learn it It's the lesson Go and learn it It's the lesson
0: Peace out.
2: That, my friend, is a wrap.